Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kidsheno B'Mitzvotav, Etzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. I want to start by reminding all of us that many blessings from the Lord are also accompanied by spiritual battles. And your heart for God, your willingness to keep seeking his face, and your determination to follow him, they can grow strong in the face of these battles. In fact, God can use these battles as the means by which he strengthens your heart, your willingness, and your determination. And with this in mind, let's read from this week's Torah portion, Genesis chapter 26. We'll start in verse 1. That says a famine came over the land, not the same as the first famine, which had taken place when Abraham was alive. Isaac went to Gerar, to Avimelech, the king of the Philistines, and the Lord, Adonai, appeared to him and said, before we go on, I just want to point out that here is a passage in Torah where the Lord appears. He becomes visible. And this is what the Lord says, don't go down into Egypt, but live where I tell you. Stay in this land and I will be with you and bless you because I will give all these lands to you and your descendants. Now, this is during a famine. It's a famine that Isaac is experiencing. It's different than the famine that Abraham experienced when he came to the land. And Honestly, if, if you just step back for a moment and you say, the Lord is saying, don't go to Egypt, stay here in this land, I'm going to be with you. And now this is a second famine for uh, the, the generations, Abraham and for Isaac. And you could understand if, if Isaac thought in his heart or he felt, I'm not sure I want to stay here. If this is the blessed land, I'm not sure this is what I want. But in fact, Isaac wanted to stay. Stay in this land and I will be with you and bless you because I will give all these lands to you and your descendants. I will fulfill the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. I will, the oath being in verse four, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give all these lands to your descendants. And by your descendants, all the nations of the earth will bless themselves or be blessed. All this is because Abraham heeded what I said and I did what I told him to do. He followed my commands, my mitzvot, my regulations, and my teachings. So let's go through this. The Lord says to Isaac, don't go down into Egypt. And remember, Abraham did go to Egypt during the famine that he experienced. Isaac is told, live where I tell you, stay in the land and I will be with you. I will bless you and I'll give all these lands to you and to your descendants. And I think this is important for us because sometimes the Lord says to go, Sometimes he says to stay. And in fact, God may have different solutions for similar problems and situations at different times. 
So what is the principle for us? What can we learn from this? First of all, we can learn, seek the Lord. Let him guide you. Let him guide us in our situation. And then heed what he says. Do what he tells us to do. Follow his commands, his regulations and teachings. Remember this, Abraham listened and he did. He heeded. He not just, he not only heard, but he followed through. He learned and he applied what he learned. That is a rock, Yeshua said, to hear the teachings of the Lord and put them into practice. That's building your house on the rock. So when the storms come, your house will survive. And so Abraham, his house is surviving Isaac, his house is surviving too, because they're hearing and they are doing what they're hearing. Genesis 26 goes on, verse 12, Isaac planted crops in that land and reaped that year a hundred times as much as he had sowed, Adonai had blessed him. That's interesting because he kept sowing and he kept reaping even during a time of famine, which typically is a time of drought when there's just not enough rain. Verse 13, the man became rich. He prospered more and more until he had become very wealthy indeed. He had flocks, cattle, and a large household. And I want you to take note of this last detail. The Philistines envied him. He had flocks, cattle, and a large household, and the Philistines envied him. Just because God blesses you does not mean that everyone around you will be happy with you. The Philistines were not happy. They envied Isaac. And I want you to think about different forms of envy. One form is, I don't want you to have what you do have. Another one is, I want what you have or I wish I had what you have. And that's a kind of covetousness of desire. And then that covetousness and the envy associated with it can move even further into another action. I will take what you have, and that is stealing. The Ten Commandments teach us not to covet and not to steal. And Jewish sages have taught that even if the covetous desire is concealed in the heart, the covetous desire in itself is regarded by the Torah as damaging to the neighbor. Philo of Alexandria describes covetous desire as a kind of insurrection. It rises up and it plots against others. Maimonides, Rambam says that desire leads to coveting, and coveting leads to stealing. Yeshua taught in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. And some have summarized it this way. These three go together, coveting, scheming, and acting. Another says, Coveting includes um, getting something that belongs to another person by using tricks or, or devices, even exchange for generous financial recompense. And then uh, that one says that the tricks that are prohibited include such things as repeated urging 
peer pressure and exercise of power. So there's a lot of manipulation that's going on behind the scenes when there's envy and there's covetousness. And it's in the area often of the heart and the mind where the person coveting is agreeing with that temptation. They're giving into the temptation to be tempted to covet or to be tempted to envy. This is not a sin to give into it and to actively agree with it. This is the sin. This is what is uh, forbidden. It's forbidden internally but it's also understood to be connected, even when it's concealed, even when it's hidden for a long time. It's understood to be connected to action, including stealing. I'm going to take a moment and take a sip of hot coffee right now. Now let's go on and we're going to see how the envy leads to action. It's not just an hidden attitude. It's a revealed attitude here, but it's more than that. It is the basis by which the Philistines take action. Verse 15, now the Philistines stopped up and filled with dirt all the wells that Isaac's father's servants had dug during the lifetime of Abraham, his father. Avimelech said to Isaac, you must go away from us because you become much more powerful than we are. So here we see that in addition to the envy, the covetousness, and the antagonism, there's more to it than that. There's a kind of discord and there's a kind of division that's going on. You leave us because you're a threat to us. Verse 17, so Isaac left, set up camp in the Wadi Gerar and he lived there. Isaac reopened the wells which had been dug during the lifetime of Abraham, his father, the ones the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he called them by the names that his father had used for them. Verse 19, Isaac's servants dug in the wadi and uncovered a spring of running water, but the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, claiming that water is ours. And so he called the wall, the well, Essek, which means quarrel, because they quarreled with him. They dug another well and quarreled over that one too. And so he called it Sitna, which means enmity or antagonism. Verse 22, he went away from there and dug yet another well. And over that one, they did not quarrel. And so he called it Rehovot, which means wide open spaces. And he said, because now Adonai has made room for us and we will be productive in the land. And from there, Isaac went up to Beersheba. And again, take note of this. Adonai appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Don't be afraid because I am with you. I will bless you and increase your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. And there Isaac built an altar and called on the name of Adonai. He pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. So this is interesting. Again, the Lord appeared to Isaac. So we have yet another occasion in Torah where the Lord makes himself visible and, and audible. He becomes present and he appears. And the Lord blesses Isaac 
But remember this, that sometimes blessings come with challenge, with conflict, with battles, and even with resistance uh, from those who aren't happy that uh, someone is being blessed. Isaac was committed to the legacy that Abraham had passed on to him. This is something I think that is really important, and it helps us as background to understand the Jacob and Esau conflict that they had over the birthright and the fact that uh, Esau did not really value his birthright and Jacob did value it. Isaac was committed to his birthright, to the legacy that Abraham passed on to him, not only when Abraham had died, but he lived his life. Isaac lived his life honoring Abraham, honoring him as a person, honoring him as a father, and honoring the legacy that became an inheritance. Isaac valued what Abraham had done and who Abraham was and, and the fact that Abraham was giving him an inheritance. But while he was alive, while Abraham was alive, Isaac demonstrated that he valued Abraham and his legacy and his accomplishments. This is a point of contrast, I believe, between Jacob and Esau that helps us understand. Because Esau did not value the legacy. He did not value his birthright. And Jacob did value the legacy. Jacob valued the birthright. And ultimately, as you know, Esau lost the inheritance and Jacob gained it. Back to Isaac, because this precedes this precedes um, Jacob and Esau. Back to Isaac and his commitment to the legacy that Abraham had passed on to him. Isaac valued that legacy and in, acted in a way that was consistent during the time period when Abraham was alive, and Isaac honored what would become the inheritance, but was in fact still in the possession of Abraham during Isaac's lifetime. This uh, required something of Isaac. It required remembering. This is, this is what we see. Isaac remembered where the wells were, and he remembered the names that they had. It required as well effort on Isaac's part to unstop the wells in the face of the Philistine uh, opposition, and it required determination and resolve. So I want you to think about these details because um, Isaac, he, he demonstrates for us what it means to value legacy and to receive legacy and value it and then pass it on faithfully. And think about these details of the legacy that Abraham had passed on to Isaac. Isaac had to remember. And you can't remember if you don't listen and you don't consider the importance. Isaac paid attention to the location of the wells, and he paid attention to the names of the wells that Abraham had used. And when he, uh, when he dug up the wells that had been stopped up, Isaac 
was building on that legacy. And it was a legacy of remembering. And I think this is a great lesson for young people because it's while you're younger, before you've received the inheritance, that you show the value that you give to what will later become yours. It's while you're younger that you show that you appreciate and that you recognize the, the value of the generation before you and those before them even, because you listen carefully and you, you show attention and you show that you will be a grateful curator who listens, remembers, and who continues on in a faithful pattern. So Isaac remembered, and he remembered because he had listened when he was younger. He had paid attention when he was younger, and he had recognized that this is something important that his father had been committed to, and he would also continue in that commitment. Now, there's another aspect of Isaac's behavior that shows his commitment, and this is that um, Isaac was committed enough, or you could say he's committed so much that he exerted the required effort to unstop the wells. Isaac had to know how to get the wells unstopped, the hard work that is required. You see, often it's important if, if you want to fully receive and then enjoy the benefits of what's being given to you, you will have to do hard work as well. And Isaac had learned to work hard. He had learned um, to do the work that even was required during difficult times. And I, I want to speak about this in connection to a third aspect of Isaac's uh, commitment that we see demonstrated here. Isaac's commitment required determination and resolve, tenacity, what can be called grit, G-R-I-T. Grit is a character trait that can be one of the most important because it works together with a lot of other character traits. And grit can function as a multiplier. Grit is something that is connected to having backbone and um, having moral strength, moral fiber. Grit is being demonstrated by Isaac. He had grit and he persevered because um, he had been built up with tenacity. He had determination and resolve. Now, a second commitment that is connected to all of this is that Isaac did new work when it was needed. Isaac clearly faced opposition. And he was a man of peace, and so he moved on, but he didn't abandon the assignment or the parameters that the Lord had given him. He worked within the parameters. Isaac didn't just leave and go to Egypt. He stayed in the land where he had been living, and he had to move, in a sense, from place to place where they had lived before. But he stuck with it. He didn't give up. He didn't give in. 
And so think about that for yourselves. We all can think this way. Where does God want us? Where where does he want us to be? That's a boundary for you. And don't try to make another place work for you. Be faithful to what God has given you. And don't be dishonoring of the boundaries by intruding in in uh, what belongs to another, because that can be um, uh, just something that is so disrespectful to the Lord. It can be a sign of covetousness, of disrespect, and even lead to stealing. What about the difficulties that Isaac faced? Because they were repeated difficulties. In fact, he responded by doing something new. He had to do um, his work in a new way uh, because there are times when you have to. And, and God gives us our intelligence, and we can add our intelligence and our determination together and our commitment to the Lord to make decisions that fit within what God has told you to do. So rather than running away or rather than doing things that are dishonorable or in a dishonorable way, we can do things in a godly way and persevere and go forward anyway. I like what Proverbs 24, 16 says about all of this kind of thing. It says the godly or the righteous may trip and fall down seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. And think about this. If if the godly fall down seven times, they get up again. Falling down seven times. Think about that. It really means that a person had fallen down six times and got up, and now the seventh time they're up, and yet they fall again because of the difficulty and because of the challenge. And the proverb says, they will get up again. Getting up again is part of grit. It's something that we want to recognize for ourselves, that we want to be people with grit, with perseverance, with tenacity, so that we can do faithfully what God has called us to do, not unfaithfully. We can fulfill the the mandates and the directions and the mission the Lord has given us without falling into covetousness, without uh, trying to give in to envy, without scheming, and without taking what belongs to another. A third aspect of Isaac's commitment that we see revealed here is that Isaac kept moving forward. He kept moving forward until he came to a place where he was free to live in the shalom that God had in mind for us. He didn't get stuck in the tragedy and the sorrow of it all. He processed all of that, and he kept moving forward. This is part of grit also, is that we learn to manage our emotions, because during times of conflict like this, there can be great loss. And during times of uh, repeated challenge or hostility, antagonism, division, uh stealing and so forth. There's a lot of discord. And that can take away your sense of of desire, your motivation. It can be hurtful. I've experienced it. I'm sure you have too in each of us in our own circumstances. But when you go through something like that, it can undermine 
us. And we have to have the grit and the fortitude that comes from pressing into God, that comes from living in a way that allows us to be renewed because of our trust in God. I can tell you this, Yeshua wants to lead you. He wants to be your good shepherd. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you. God wants to bless you, and he will help you live in the place that he wants for you to live. He will help you navigate through all the challenges. And let's remember, many blessings are accompanied by spiritual battles. So the the absence of a spiritual battle is neither here nor there. But when you have a blessing and you think it will never be connected to a spiritual battle, then um, then you're being naive because many blessings, many times following the Lord and receiving his blessings also means there will be spiritual battles and that we will have to face those battles. But I can tell you this, that your heart for God can grow strong in the face of these battles. Your willingness to keep seeking his face can grow strong, and your determination to follow the Lord can grow strong. In fact, the battles themselves can build heart. The battles can build willingness. The battles can build determination. All of this helps us better understand what was happening with Isaac, but also what happens later with the story of Isaac's sons, Esau and Jacob, who have conflict with each other. And um, Isaac values the legacy, the inheritance that's given to him by Abraham. But Isaac's other son, his, his one son, Esau, did not value the legacy that Isaac wanted to give to him. And Esau dishonored his father, Isaac, because he considered the inheritance to be worthless or even insignificant. Maybe that's another way of putting it. Esau considered the birthright to be worthless or insignificant. Isaac's other son, Jacob, did value the legacy. Jacob honored his father in this way, and he honored the covenant and the promises which God had made to Abraham and to Isaac. Sometimes you can't fully understand people and their behavior if you don't understand what they value and also what they consider worthless. Another way of saying the same thing, sometimes people's... (laughs) Sometimes people's behavior can only be rightly interpreted when we see what they value and what they consider worthless. So here's my heart and my prayer. I want to value the legacy that God has given me through my family and through the family of faith and all who have invested in me. And so for that reason, this is not only my heart and my desire, but it's also my prayer. I pray, Lord, let me show um, a commitment to that legacy and that inheritance as a Levine, as a Levite, as a shepherd, as a Messianic rabbi, as a member of the body of Messiah, as a senior rabbi at 
uh, Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue. Let me demonstrate that commitment. And let me say to all of us, let's keep digging the wells, folks. Mishpacha, even if we have to dig new wells when we need them, let's let's do it. That's what we're made of. We are made of those, made up of of the character and the strength and the tenacity. We have the grit because our eyes are on Yeshua, the author and the finisher of our faith. In a moment, we're going to close with Aaron's blessing and then a final worship song. But first, would you consider a generous contribution at this time? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. And now, Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, ye'er Adonai panavelecha v'chunecha. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord guard you and protect you, even in the face of difficulty and opposition. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen.